steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, we are taking a long look at the Minnesota Vikings matchup with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, should be a good one. You get a firsthand viewpoint of Justin Herbert, who one of the best, uh, better uh, young quarterbacks in the NFL, along with his many weapons, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, etc. Uh, so we'll go through all of that, as well as the defense. Um and we also have some unfortunate news that we feel like we have to you know, briefly touch on, and that is the situation going down with Dalvin Cook. Um, I imagine most of the people listening to this show have already, you know, Twitter searched their way uh, into, you know, plenty of information on that. So, you know, uh, we won't, we're not going to dig too deep in, but it is something that's important and something that we feel like, you know, we'll touch on real quick. So uh, we'll do, uh, we'll do that to start the show here in a second and finish up with our picks. So uh, that's the game plan for today's episode. So let's start this thing off with Delvin cook. Right. Um, so as I just said, um, I'm sure anyone listening to this is fully aware of what's going down. There's domestic violence allegations involving Dalvin cook. There's also the potential that he is a victim in this situation. And uh, I believe the term extortion has been used as well. So, a lot going on there. There's kind of a he said, she said thing going on right now. Well, quite literally, that's what's going on right now. Um, and to this point, there's nothing constructive or, um, you know, I would say concrete one way or the other. Although I'm sure some of you have sifted through the video evidence that has surfaced and some letters or text messages, that I should say letters. This isn't 1942. Um, you know, there's a lot out there, I guess, but nothing that has been legally um litigated and confirmed to date so this podcast as we believe all podcasts should is not going to make any sweeping assumptions at this point in time however we will make note that this is going to potentially affect his on-field ability and this is not a happy situation and it's not a roller coaster that i want to ride uh no this is bad um Either way, you know, however it works out, there is nothing good that will come of this um, or has come of this. I mean, obviously, the situation has already taken place. It was like a year ago. Um, so whatever happened, we don't know uh, everything, but it was bad. Um, it was bad. You know, there's images that have surfaced. Uh, you know, there was clearly some uh, physical altercations that took place. Um, so it's bad. And I'm not going to we're not going to sit here and make judgments on it yet just because we don't know all the details. We don't know um, what the truth is. I saw Delvin today said, you know, the truth will come out and I will be, you know, innocent is essentially what his point was. Um, We don't know, but that's, that's kind of the reminder I just wanted to make is don't be making judgments at this stage because all it is to this point is just each side making their kind of opening argument, but to the public, it's literally you know, what it is. Yeah, that's all it is. So social, they're using us in social media. As exactly. Their right now. So, and you, depending on which thing you saw first, it's probably shaped your, that's it. Yes. 
Exactly. And so there's a lot of, you know, Dalvin Cook's agent went to Schefter and Schefter just blindly put out there what that was a terrible said, tweet, by the way, which that was not he's, he's getting a lot of heat for and rightfully so he's getting heat for that. So there's obviously two sides to this and there's it's kind of it, odds are it's probably a little bit of both sides. So I mean, straight up, that's probably what happened. Both sides are probably is. exaggerating certain parts of the story to help their own cause. That's probably what it is. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we need to kind of respect that ongoing process um, and respect those involved before we kind of make any judgments here. So I don't know that it's, it's something we needed to address because it's the a star running back on this team. Uh, I don't like addressing it, but I feel like it would be kind of weird if we didn't address it um, as a Vikings podcast. So, I mean, we do two of these shows a week, you know, we give you guys anywhere between an hour and a half and two hours of content. And this is the biggest news story to hit Minnesota. Um, at least in the last 10 days. And honestly, there's been quite a few news stories recently with, you know, Daniel Hunter and um, Harrison COVID. Smith, COVID. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, but Dakota this is Dozier like, went to the ER last night. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. That's another on. piece that we should have probably addressed, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, that's the part about this this freaking team. Like, you can't just be a normal season ever, you know? It's not like, you can't just have the normal disappointing season. It's always got to be completely off the rails, up in flames all at once. right disappointment when it had when it does happen and it, i mean just this week you got i saw 29 close contacts zimmer said of covid this week that are now in protocol and all that so i mean yeah it's just it's always a circus i i tweeted today at the minnesota vikings franchise is a content factory that never stops and i i fully believe that to be the truth and it has been my entire life so this is the last 11 days, by the way. I know there was a meme circulating around. We uh, we did have this one updated as of 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, and this is lost to Cooper Rush at home on primetime Dallas, of course. Uh, lost to Neil Hunter to a season-ending injury, injury in the process. Uh, lost a two-score lead in the second half, by the way. That was also involved there. Uh, then you also have the Michael Pierce setback, uh, the great defensive tackle that has played about three games this year. Uh, Patrick Peterson heads to uh, injured reserve. Then you have the Dalvin Cook accusations, of course, which – you know, we touched on briefly here. Uh, Dakota Dozier, as Drew just said, heading to the ER. And a seemingly seamless uh, COVID outbreak. I think that's fair to call it that at this point. I think it was 19 close contacts. <laughs> when it's like 29. 29 close contacts. Oh, 29 now. Okay, okay. Well, so I, like, mean, I mean, in theory, depending on how many of those people are. I don't you know, know what you do. Not vaccinated. Like, I, I, I saw the, you know, it's it's bad. I mean. That I, th- I believe the protocols are if you are unvaxxed and you are close contact, then Can't you play. have to, it's five days away from the facility. So, well, I mean, depending on how many of those people are close contacts, they go to the reserve list. So I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. This thing is going up in flames and we can definitely judge that, right? We can definitely make a, a harsh judgment on your Minnesota Vikings, their three and five record, their play on the field and everything that they have do- been doing. But uh, to kind of close out this whole Delvin Cook thing, at least for the time being, I'm sure this will be something that we'll have to you know, have ongoing discussions about. Uh, we're, we're sticking to letting the things come out here. And I think what Drew said earlier was super you know, entertaining for one, but also um, good, good facts. You know, like this is their opening argument. Like, this is what they're trying to do. They're literally using us and holding everyone hostage, essentially, and basically trying to get everyone to choose sides. Don't don't be that guy. I mean, I love Dalvin Cook in theory, right? He's a great football player. He's one of my favorite football players on the team. Um, I don't know 
this woman, um, but I'm sure she has a ton of people in her life that love her as well. And there's going to be people that are just going to immediately pick sides. But I think being objective is super important here and letting the process, you know, actually go forward. And this is a situation where we do, it's not damning one way or the other. So we don't need to make any harsh judgments like as a group, right? Like, you know how you kind of have feel that collective pressure to like put to be like, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, well, look into the replies of any of those tweets and you, you see, you know, exactly. You feel you like know, a pressure. It's, it's people jumping to conclusions and then, oh, what, what didn't you see this other post that was on the other side of the story? You know, it's like, right. It, it, that's it, 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 that's what it is. It's opening arguments, but they're using it publicly to kind of try to. Well, because I think Dalvin's representation, rep- he's definitely trying to protect he, his reputation. Their their side, they jumped out in front of it, kind of knowing that there was a suit that was filed. Right. They jumped out in front of it to kind of, you know, keep the public perception a certain way as this played out. Because it could have, I mean, obviously, if you think about it the other way around, if, you know, that lawsuit was filed first and the first thing that come out was Devin Cook is being accused of, you know, uh, domestic abuse and things like that. Then suddenly I think this whole thing is perceived differently. Even now that everything has come out, I think if that hits first, this thing's totally twisted around. So, um, again, if the Adam Schefter tweet was more Mm -hmm. objective, um, I think this conversation is wildly different. Um, you've already seen the headline switches, right? Like since that oh, yeah. tweet, like you've seen the way that the, the I mean, headlines it, have depending changed, on but... the source you're getting, I mean, you could have a totally different, you know, uh, right. a, approach to this, like a, a different viewpoint of this completely. So again, just let it play out. You don't have to give your, you know, hot, fiery take right off the oh, bat. Please on this. don't. This please is don't. something that no, no, nobody's it... asking for and you're not being constructive <laughs> in any way. So please just keep it to yourself. Just, Wish the best for both sides. And when we get more details, when the the process plays out, then sure, maybe you can make your point. Yeah, I'm I'm with that. I love that. That's a great closing argument for this segment. Um, All right, let's let's move on to actual football here. Uh, None of us like talking about that, right? That sucks. That's not fun. but really, honestly, the Vikings aren't that much fun either, right? We, yeah, we weren't here. <laughs> no. on, we weren't here on Tuesday, of course. So the last time we spoke was we were, you know, expecting the Vikings to lose to the Ravens. Uh, that did, in fact, happen. Uh, it just, of course, happened horrifically once again with your Vikings blowing, uh, you know, a multiple score lead and you know doing their thing once again in the the fourth quarter. So we kind of decided uh, that you know we take the day off. The message would have been the, the same, same thing, the same thing from the last like three, four, or five games. You know, right. it's. The, 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 there's a pretty clear outline for every Vikings game at this point. It is, you know, number one, you start off hot offensively, you build that lead mm-hmm. um, in most every games, time, every yeah. game this year, they've led by seven points. And in some it's been two, and then well, many of them has been two possessions. Then you kind of get towards halftime, second half offense gets conservative. Uh, defense gets a little tired, starts giving up long drives that last five to 10 minutes um, that wears them down long scoring drives ensue and the opposing team catches up ties the game. And then basically this team is asking for luck in the final minute of regulation or overtime. Oh, and they're not and, getting it either. And they're, I mean, in some ways they have the lions game was yeah, a little bit fair. Okay. lucky, you know, to, to come out yeah, there and okay. win that game 54 yarder. Uh, so there's, and that's, this, that's why I, it leads me to this point because if there's any team that has, um, you know, re- done before what the Vikings are doing this year in terms of always the close games and losing it. It's the chargers. Uh, that's a team that is familiar with what the Vikings have been doing and their fans are very familiar with what the Vikings fans have experienced here this year. So I did see a stat uh, earlier this week. Um, I, I think it was Dustin Baker, who is the Viking stat guy on Twitter. And he, uh, he 
shared a stat that, you know, the Vikings and the Chargers are the top two NFL teams in terms of games decided by one score or less in the last two seasons. So I think this one's destined to be a close game. And just because of that, I don't – just by the way the Vikings have handled those this year, I don't love their chances right now. Yeah, I can I confirm, and I'm you know I'm sure we'll kind of elaborate on that over the next half hour or whatever of this show. But um, Chargers are basically the Viking inverse, right? They're literally five and three. Like they're kind of the same type of thing where you expect more from them one week, they don't show up. Um, the next week, you know, you mm-hmm. expect nothing out of them and they give you the best performance of the season. They're riding a roller coaster. It's just that they have won the two games, the Vikings in theory, you know, blue, right? The Dalvin Cook fumble, the Greg Joseph kick, et cetera. Um, so this is going to be, a, you know, from a content standpoint, a, a content factory, right? Like you said, um, from a content standpoint, this is about as exciting of a matchup in theory, right? That you can draw up because both of these teams – refuse to just outright win football games that's what the, neither of them like yeah. no neither of them do that and both of them have excellent geez I, I don't want to use the term excellent but very very good quarterbacks that kind of have different styles of gameplay but ultimately find the same type of result where it comes down to one play or one drive or whatever it is you know herbert being a guy that tends to air the ball out a little bit more kirk being a little bit more conservative and yet they seem to find their way to 25 you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 points week in and week out. And their defense is kind of does just enough to keep them in it. And here we are. So the chargers, I think are one of the best rosters in the entire NFL Mm -hmm. top to bottom. Like if you look at the overall depth, the strength that each individual position, this is like, this team looks 12 and five on paper, 13 and four on paper, but for whatever reason, they're still five and three. And I think that there's a logical chance for the Vikings to pull an upset here. Although I think it's fair to lean kind of heavily on LA side, at least right now, given the COVID status of everyone. Right. Um, there's one now, I, again, if you've listened to this show, you're well aware that BJ, BJ and I both are kind of advocating for the Vikings offense to kind of take more chances. Um, and so I'm going to start with this and we can kind of, I think we usually start with the opposing team's offense, but I kind of want to start with the defense here Let's do it. because the chargers are the worst rush defense in the NFL. Um, they are allowing 5.0 yards per carry. That is number 32 in the NFL. They're also allowing, or have allowed 1,293 rushing yards this year, which is number 32 in the NFL. Uh, so they are, and of course they've allowed 11 touchdown runs, which is 29th in the NFL. So they are the worst rushing defense in the NFL. Um, and with that, obviously the Vikings rushing attack is relatively solid. I don't think it's been as effective this year as it has in past years, but it's certainly there. You have, um, you know, one of the premier backs and lead Dalvin cook zone blocking scheme, et cetera. Um, so if there's one game where Minnesota is kind of like get conservative, ground out the clock type of deal, approach when they have a lead might actually work or might be effective. You would think it would be this one. And so that's where I have a little bit of optimism here, even going to the chart, going to Los Angeles is because this is a defense that you could in theory, it should be more effective on versus Baltimore last week, which was kind of the inverse where their week, their past defense was weak, but their run defense was relatively solid for throughout the year. So this is, seems like kind of a, a Mike Zimmer heaven game where like he actually, 
should be running the ball more based off of objective evidence to date in the, this NFL season. You look at kind of what they're going to throw at you since we are starting with the defense. We might as well start with that defensive line. Bosa, Tillery, Linville, Joseph, old friend, and then Justin Jones. I mean, that's composed of pass rushers. Is it not? Like if you think about the greatest traits of at least three of those guys, Jerry Tillery, Linville, Joseph, and Joey Bosa sticking their hand in the dirt and coming after the passer. If you take that away from them and it, Stats will back that up. Um, they're not as effective defensively. You can control the clock a little bit more. So maybe this really is one of those weeks where you tone it down a little bit um, and kind of take take your shots as opposed to you know trying to air it out. Like this is not the game to have that massive turnaround mm-hmm. because if you can run the ball effectively, I mean that's as good as it gets, right? Like in theory, Mike Zimmer, if you can run the the ball fict- effectively, and he th- he always believes the Vikings can. That's about as great as you can, like as great of an opportunity for a football team. Everyone blocks in front of them, right? The offensive linemen love it. You know, the quarterback doesn't have to throw, doesn't have to worry about getting hit. It's really all the onus just goes ex- straight to the actual ball carrier. And if Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Kane Wangu, whoever is out there can take it, I mean, you run it down their throat all day long if you can. You still need to pile up first downs. You still need to play good situational football. Yeah. But if you can generate 25 carries at a you know a 4.5 clip, you got to take that this week based off of you know what we have mm-hmm. seen to date from this Chargers team. Right. And then uh, the other point I wanted to make too is Chargers third down defense is 29th in the league, averaging um, 47% given up rate on third down. So. And the Vikings are actually not good on third down. Like the worst over the last so two weeks. They're, they're pretty say. bad. So uh, that's where there's a little bit of optimism again with this whole, like in the second half, if they have that lead trying to like play this super conservative approach, you know, if they're going to continue to do that, which in general, me and BJ are not on board with, but if they're going to continue to do it. This seems like one of those games or one of those matchups where it might actually benefit them um, in that rare instance. So, that's why I have some shred of optimism for this game um, is just because starting with that defense, I think what the Vikings try to do actually matches up with what their weaknesses are. And not that, again, I still think it's a really good roster. I think they have great players defensively, um, but I, I just, based on their production this year and then stopping the run, I think the Vikings could exploit that and it could be a way for them to kind of steal one here against the Chargers. I think this really is one of those things where it's a combination of what I was saying earlier about how their defensive line is composed of primary pass rushers. And then you look at their second level of their defense, uh, linebacking core is not great. There's really no one that in theory that you can consider to be very trustworthy as a sure tackler or great cover man over the middle, anything of that nature. Um, I think the linebacking piece of this defense is probably its weakest part. Whereas, you know, if you look at the secondary with Chris Harris, Derwin James, Nasser Adderley, uh, you got three, very good and very turnover prone defensive backs. So uh, all signs point to running the ball. The only sign that's not pointing that way is of course the Dalvin cook litigation that's going down right now. Um, And whether or not he says he's going to play, but things can change over these, you know, next 72 hours or so. Uh, You know, I I think it's, this is weird because this is a hard swing from where we've been, right? Like I'm very much a 65, 35, I do the math right. Yeah, 65-35 guy in favor of the pass. Oh, yeah. This and is, I still am in general. I just I am I, too. I, it's more, this it's is, more for me. It's like I still prefer the you know attack through the air, like primarily, and then set up kind of use the run as a complementary piece, but your your passing offense should be the staple of your offense. 
Um, but I just think like when I'm looking at the numbers here, I know Zimmer will want to do this. I mean, clearly if you have lost essentially three to four games this year, em- employing this conservative scared right. philosophy in the second half to drain the clock and you've lost that many games doing it and almost lost a couple others and you still want to continue doing it. You're not going to go away from it. So Zimmer's clearly going to continue doing this. And I think this is just a team where it might actually work and it has a better chance of working than say against Carolina or say against Baltimore or some of these other teams that they've struggled to close games against. Absolutely. And you keep the ball away from Chris Harris and Derwin James specifically. I mean, yeah. those, both those names make me a little and, nervous. I mean, if here. you can average five plus yards a pop, you could take, you know, Joey Bosa out of the game too. Um, yeah. So literally there's, but there are benefits yeah. to it. I'm not saying it. I'm, we're not trying to say never run the ball. It's just, this is one of those teams that it actually could work that, that weird philosophy that they continue to, he and Kubiak or whoever is the brainchild behind it continues to do it. Um, and it has resulted in some questionable, uh, you know, decisions and ineffective closing of games this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So the flip side of that, the way that this team is five and three, despite having the worst run defense in the NFL is because they have, you know, again, this is an in theory thing because they're very inconsistent. One week they're extremely you know, scoring points left and right. They're moving the ball up and down the field. No problem. And when the we next week, six points on Baltimore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but this offense right on paper is filled with guys that are former pro bowlers, will be pro bowlers, um, current this season, pro bowlers, etc., mm-hmm. And some good veteran presences as well. Um, you start with Justin Herbert, right? What do you like about what's your, what what do you like specifically about Justin Herbert? What do you think makes him, you know, a different opponent from what the Vikings have seen, you know, especially in recent weeks coming off of a game against Lamar Jackson? Uh, this is going to be a completely different style of play. Yeah, Herbert will take chances. Um, and I'm, this isn't to say like Lamar doesn't, um, but like I think he is one. he's one of the rare guys I have seen that is seemingly as effective and as accurate throwing on the run as he is just in the pocket. Um, so when he is able to get out and he's, a, I think he's really good at this for being a second year player, kind of sensing the, the collapsing pocket and getting out and creating throwing lanes. Um, and when he's on the run, he's going to hit the throw. So, and he seemingly gains velocity too. And he's like moving to his left, moving to his right. He can absolutely, you know, fire it in there. So Rocket, there's, yeah. he's talented. I was, I kind of dismissed him as a prospect and it was one of those where it seemed like, you know, scouts fell in love with the tall white guy just because he's a tall white guy. Uh, but Herbert's the real deal and they've made a really nice kind of scheme around him. And they've also put him around, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, which isn't uh, a bad thing for a young quarterback either. And then they got a really nice receiving running back and Austin Eckler there too, as a check down option. So I, I like this offense a lot and it's really explosive. And I think especially Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to be a matchup problem for these corners because Mike Williams is, one of the best, you know, jump ball guys in the league, you know, you set him up one-on-one for a fade route down the sideline and he might, there might not be anybody better that you want catching that football. Right. And then Keenan Allen in the slot. I mean, good luck, you know, cause that's where he lives and that's where he moves those chains. So finding a, an op, uh, somehow some way to bracket him and then make sure Mike Williams doesn't take the top off of you. It's going to be a big challenge for Zimmer and company this week. Yeah. Those two receivers complement each other you know, as well as any wide receiver combination in the NFL, right? I mean, uh, you've got the vertical threat and Mike Williams who can go up and get it, and you've got the possession, 
um, style, pure route runner. I think most people would agree that Keenan Allen is one through three at route running, mm-hmm. um, ranking in relative to his peers in the league. Uh, really dangerous duo. Um, Justin Herbert has the most like as much talent as anyone in the NFL. Right. And I think a lot of that got overlooked because of, you know, what he was doing at Oregon, the offense he was running. And of course, I'm sure everyone's heard and read, you know, content on um, his personality, right. And being a little bit more lower key and not kind of the boisterous uh, alpha, if you will. Um, I, you know, I love that. And I think that I love reading stories about Justin Herbert. I'm a big fan of this guy. And I think that he's going to be a great quarterback for a lot of years here. Um, And I think he's extremely dangerous for what the Vikings are dealing with right now. Right. Uh, no Patrick Peterson, uh, Bashad Breland banged up. You know, you don't really know what you're going to have in the secondary and you've got COVID running rampant. Um, this is dangerous because he has as much arm talent as you're going to find this, you know, this side of Patrick Mahomes. Right. He can really throw it in there and with accuracy too. Um, extremely dangerous player um, just picking you apart um, with his mind. And then, of course, he has the talent to get the ball in there, too. Um, I think this is this is going to be a guy who I think is going to be even better 10 years down the road because he processes the information so well. And so as he gets experience, I think that he's going to be as good as you're going to find. And I think the Chargers have a really good one. It's a shame that they don't have many fans to cheer, cheer him on and wear his jersey uh, because I think that this guy is as dangerous as they come. And really, I think this is going to be kind of one of those last years where we kind of keep him outside that top 10 and, you know, cutting into next year, going into the year further, um, I think it's going to be hard to leave him out of that conversation for being one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. He's going to be an MVP candidate not very long from now. I think I mean, he already not, is. I mean, he might be, you know, outside moving forward yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of season left, and he puts up a, a string of good performances here. He's certainly up there. I mean, he has the Chargers leading that division right now, um, which certainly I don't think people expected right at, at this point in the season. Right. Obviously, Kansas City tripping over itself is one thing, but um, you have – Another thing too, Jared Cook um, is uh, they brought him in at tight end. It's been a really good option for him. So I mean, you have some, some athletes. Presence. You have some athletes out there to catch the football from Justin Herbert, Austin and Eckler blocking is, too. Honestly, yes, yeah, actually, McKean and Allen, Mike Williams are really good blockers out there too. Offensive line is tremendous. Um, this is a tough offense, and I mean, looking at you know the statistics there, they're the number five passing offense. Uh, in the NFL in terms of yards, they're number five in touchdown passes as well. So uh, they're averaging 6.8 net yards per attempt, which is 11th in the league. So efficient pass offense they've had, you know, I think you take away that Baltimore game and they're putting up 30 a game, you know, they put up 47 against Cleveland um, in that shootout game uh, that took place. So they don't have a problem scoring points. um, And I, I kind of do fear for what that passing game is going to do to this beat up Viking secondary. Absolutely. And I think they can run the ball too this week, at least um, against the Vikings Vikings run defense is not much better than the chargers. So, yeah. Um, And Austin Eckler, kind of one of those slippery guys. Um, He's he's one of those dudes that I have a really hard time buying into actually being really good, but then you turn on TV or you see him playing in a prime. He just got like, he just gobbles up yards. Oh my God. He's so good at it. Again, you don't, you don't think of him as a huge threat. And then you look in the third quarter, he's got 80 rushing yards and 64 receiving yards. And I go, all right, he's having a game. Like, I, I think my mind is kind of warped by fantasy football in a way with guys like Austin Eckler, who I don't see a lot of because it's an AFC guy. And of course, the Chargers aren't on primetime all that much. Uh, but like, for example, if like, yeah, I had like the number eight overall pick last year, Eckler wouldn't even be on my radar. But in terms of production, I mean, this guy is as good yeah. of netting yardage, netting statistics as mm-hmm. you're going to find um, in the NFL. And I think that he's like kind of, you know, I think that he's Darren Sproles 
but less receiver, more running back. So he's better between the tackles, but he's still as he's still dynamic yeah. getting out in space, playing as a receiver. He can run routes. He's intelligent too, in terms of finding zones and finding the right spots. Uh, I mean, he was the reason the chargers didn't, you know, he essentially, you know, ran Melvin Gordon out of town. Uh, yeah. That was, that was Austin Eckler. Very comfortable doing that. Yeah. yeah, and there was no problem with it, and I don't think the offense has taken a step back by any means. Um, I think they're so. more dynamic now without Melvin Gordon because his style of play is not extremely complimentary. It's more cohesive with, with well, Eckler's is with Herbert, you know, and yeah. having that ability to check it down and run design pass plays for your running back too. So that's a really good pairing. And, again, there's a lot of things to, to think about with this with this team. It's not the same Chargers team, Chargers offense that – you know, the Vikings went down into that soccer stadium a couple of years ago and Philip Rivers had like six turnovers. You're going to have a, it's a different quarterback. It's a more efficient offense now. And then, of course the Vikings defense is also very different from then too. So uh, I, I think this, this, again, it's going to be one of those where the Vikings are going to have to put up 30 plus points and that still might not be enough here. Kind of like last week against Baltimore. I think if the Vikings are to win this game, it starts with their pass rush. And of course they don't have, you know, Daniel Hunter, the, you know, the, biggest player in that position um, because I think you can take advantage of some of this offensive line. Rashawn Slater, the rookie has been outstanding. Corey Lindsley, who we should be familiar with as Vikings fans from mm -hmm. playing in green Bay. Also very good. The other three guys here on this offensive line that are slated to start are Matt, F Matt Filer, Brendan James, and old friend Storm Norton, who I believe was number Storm three Norton. on the Vikings depth chart. So if you're going to take advantage of something for the Chargers, it's getting pressures on Justin Herbert, hitting Justin Herbert. And I think you need one of those turnovers again, right? Like what I was talking about last week, like if you're going to beat Baltimore, this, 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 and this needs to happen. Well, the Vikings actually did all those things last week against Baltimore and still found a way to lose, getting that key turnover, Anthony Barr, getting the kick return, Kane Wangu, et cetera. They got to, I, I don't, I don't know what they really need here, but I think a turnover has to be involved. And I think that starts with your pass rush. I think that's the biggest mismatch with Everson Griffin playing pretty well yeah. this year. Coming I just, well up I just think two. this is going to turn into a shootout and the Vikings are going to have to keep up. Blow to blow what with type them. of a shootout though? Are we talking like, like a, like a third, like a 35, 31 shootout or like a mid forties shootout? Well, I, I, I still, I guess I still perceive a mid thirties type score for both teams as a shootout, but maybe that's not one in today's NFL. I think but it is. I think, I think it's, I think it's going to, it's, it's going to basically what I'm ramping up to the Vikings have to be better on offense in the second half. And whether, you know, maybe this game, it is, like I yeah. said, ground and pound with Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison to wear this rushing defense out. Maybe that's what it is. That just, that, that style of play has not been effective obviously all season. So um, that's either way. I think they're going to have to, you're going to have to be a more efficient offensively to keep up because this Chargers team won't go away. They, they'll put together scoring drives in that second half and you better have enough ammo to keep up and uh, eventually, you know, obviously uh, have that lead, but when the clock strikes zero. Okay. So last question here, and then we'll move on to our pick starting of course, with this game, um, the playmakers specifically. So Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, I mean, Jared cook to some extent as well. Uh, which one of them where I'm going to play my Bill Belichick card like I've done several times before. Like if you're going to play the Bill Belichick defense here and take one of them out of your game to give yourself the best chance to win, which one would you take out of the football game? So this is interesting. I'm actually going to go with Mike Williams. Um, and I, this is, this might be weird to some people because if you look at his numbers this year, 
he really is hit or miss. And actually the last three games he's played, he has a total of six catches. So he's not, uh, he's the biggest boomer bust guy really out there right now. He's got four games this year with seven catches and then four games with two or fewer. Um, but I think the big play element that he gives you the potential for is why he's been so huge. If, if you're defending that deep fade route where he's going to go up over two guys to catch the ball, Keenan Allen's underneath catching 10 balls for 95 yards and 10 first downs. Right. Um, so I am very fearful of that deep ball. I believe he had one or two of those deep kind of catches against the Vikings last time they played a couple years ago. Uh, I'm very fearful of that. I think he can go up and get the ball against any of these DBs. So that would be the guy that if I could take out, I think I would feel a lot better about the Vikings defense contending, despite the fact that he hasn't really produced much lately. He's just a guy that could get hot against his team. That's fair. I was actually going the the opposite direction with Keenan Allen because of him being the more consistent player. So if you're able to take that type of player out of the football game, in theory, you take away a huge safety net and the guy that chunks up yardage on a consistent. You're not wrong about any of this either. I, I, yeah, I don't think there is a right and wrong answer. That's why it's kind of a fun exercise to do. Um, I was just running through this to see if my theory kind of, you know, as we talk about these things, I, I sometimes am Google searching to see if like, you know, if I, if I'm thinking about saying something, if I could back it up with some sort of information that's subjective. Right. Uh, so I looked up Keenan Allen, right. And the, the chargers this year are one in three in games where Keenan Allen has six receptions or less. Right. So you can do the math. If he has more yeah. than six receptions, they're perfect in, on the season, at least. I don't think that carries a lot of weight. That's just some numbers to go along with my argument that's, here. Uh, that's, hey, that's better, you know, argument and evidence that I had for mine. So I just know, and I, the reason why I thought about this is that I just know that generally speaking, in games when I have personally watched the Chargers and seen Keenan Allen catch a lot of footballs, they win those games. I don't have a stat for that. I don't have he's, like he's a chain cool. mover, you know, he's, he's always going to lead the definitely league. Definitely like is right. Downs. He chunks he's up healthy. first downs for sure. And those first downs definitely add up. Other thing that I wanted to note that I caught a glimpse of on accident here. And I wasn't actually going to bring up, but just saw now your leader in fourth quarter comebacks this season is Justin Herbert. So this game is the change of pace from, uh, you know, the, the waning years of Phillip rivers. Yeah, it is. He's got so. four, four of them this season to lead the NFL. I think this one's destined to come down to one score. I think if the Vikings, we can move into our picks here. I think that if the Vikings are to win this game, it needs to be lower scoring because that to me means that they control the clock, they run the ball effectively, and they're able You're to probably right. you know, kind of play within their, their where they're comfortable, or at least where the coaches are comfortable, right? Uh, so I'm going to say the Chargers are going to win because I think that ultimately this is going to be a kind of a shootout where the Vikings fall short, right? Where I think it's yeah. going to be like 30 to 23 chargers get the win because they do a little bit more in the second half because that's what we've seen right like i don't need any more evidence like you guys all saw it too you guys listening with your eyeballs yeah. i mean like the status the status quo now is the vikings falling short in the second half yes. after a very and the chargers are doing the opposite half. this year so i'm yeah, going so chargers i'm going chargers too i mean then that's why the status quo has been set now where it's the vikings they got to a hot start and i'm going to be numb to it when the vikings are up 14-0 in this game it's going to not mean a single thing because the Chargers will come back and probably win the game by a, a field goal or a touchdown or some crazy thing will happen or whatever. But uh, that's the status quo now. And again, like you said, Herbert is playing well in the fourth quarter and over time he's coming up clutch. Kirk has done some of that this year, but you have to be more aggressive with it throughout the entire second half, the way the Chargers are. Brandon Staley, as we've noted, has been very forward thinking and, and 
Uh, I think my favorite coach in the NFL, right? You know, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's more modern thinking in his fourth down approach to things. Uh, Very, the, very much the opposite of Mike Zimmer. And uh, I do think that's part of the reason that they've, they're five and three right now is some of the decisions he's made. So I'm going chargers here. Yeah. I'm hard chargers too. I think it's a little bit funny that we've talked about Brandon Staley at length, or at least used his bits to, uh, you know, partner with our bits right uh, on multiple occasions then we actually get to the Chargers game and we didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking right. about him but he is uh he is a lot of fun and I'm you know I'm gr- I'm glad that he's having success because his style and kind of his aura um, and demeanor as a head coach uh, is one that I that I very much like so uh Drew and I both rolling with the Chargers this week unfortunately as always we will be cheering to be wrong but that's where we stand there. So let's move into the rest of the games for this slate. Uh, should be a fun week, I think. A couple of good ones on here, a couple of not so good ones. We'll run through all of them. Starting on Thursday night, I don't think this is a very good one. It starts with Lamar Jackson going up against Miami. Uh, he's on the road. Uh, do we need to discuss this one? Has Baltimore gotten into that le- uh, that level of eliteness where when they're playing an inferior opponent, we kind of just move on? I, I mean, kind of. I, I just don't think much of Miami. Uh, so I'm going to go Baltimore. I think that's more of the reason I'm comfortable picking the Ravens here. So that's more to do with the Dolphins. Who's than the playing Ravens. quarterback for the Dolphins right now? I think it's Brissett. Um, mm, okay. Uh, I, I don't know if two is going to be healthy or not, to be honest with this game. I, I've kind of just blocked this one out and I'm really, I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. So I'll go Baltimore as well. I think that that's, that's an easy one for me. All right. Next one up here is Atlanta and Dallas. Now Atlanta, all of a sudden has become a playoff contender. And also a very exciting watch. Uh, Cordero Patterson is literally Percy Harvin out there. Um, and that's what he's doing everything that we said he should do, right? When he was with the Vikings. And actually, uh, he's dude, running if you remember, routes. I mean, back when we were at the NFC North Bar, this was 2015, 2016. I, I don't know about you. I was ha- like clamoring over and over. I was pounding the table for the Vikings to use Patterson at running back, to just literally list him at running back. And uh, it never happened. It didn't happen until the Patriots started using him in the backfield more often. And the Bears kind of basically used him as only a running back. Now the Falcons are doing a little bit of both, and he's still still super dynamic with the football. And we should also note, I mean, this is a game. I mean, if we're talking about getting into the playoff picture here a little bit, if you're a Vikings fan, you're rooting for Dallas. Because Dallas is going to win that division. That playoff spot's locked up. You kind of want the Falcons. They're in that wild card race. You want them. I think them they're the seven seed right now if the season would right. end today. Which is kind of wild. Uh, I think they were one and four, you know, a few weeks ago. So who but you got in this I got, one? I got Dallas Johnson back. I don't buy what happened last week against Denver. Right. I just can't see that happening again. That was the that was the exact analysis that I was going to give. I think that was a fluke week, and they're going to bounce back and be better than ever. Atlanta's going to get smoked. So that's my guess. All right. Uh, next one here is New Orleans and Tennessee. New Orleans operating with some weird stuff at quarterback Trevor Simeon. It's going to be Taysom Hill maybe this week. Vikings I'm not sure. legend Trevor Simeon. <laughs> Speaking of Vikings legends, uh, Tennessee with running back Adrian Peterson uh, playing at home this week against the Saints. Revenge game for Adrian Peterson. Weird, very <laughs> weird revenge game. Um, who you got in this one? Uh, I'm going the Titans. I mean, they, are they? I asked this jokingly, but not jokingly. Are they the best team in the NFL right now? They've beaten what is it four teams in a row that are going to the four playoffs. playoff teams in a row that and did they're... last year and that are I think three of them are set to make it this year. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a fair I think we you know if this was a Titan podcast you could make a twenty minute argument argument for that. Yeah, I think should this be a Titan? I, I just imagine like they sneak like they get what eleven and six or twelve and five they get to the playoffs that then Derrick Henry gets back healthy and you 
Oh, get him God, fresh. I hope he comes back. Fresh really legs. It's back. 20 degrees out. And he's just pounding through people. At Tennessee is a real threat. Uh, I like them in this game too. You seem passionate about the the Titans. I, I, I'm wondering. See, I've I, I've been on the <laughs> Titans for a couple of years now, and it's They're fun. They are they've fun. been mostly proving me right. I don't know. So they are fun. I, I like, They're I fun like team to watch fun. for sure. Uh, yeah, Tannehill's an easy guy to root for as well. Um, they got some fun receivers. Uh, I'm going Tennessee. I I can't bet on. <laughs> I'm not actually betting, but I can't bet on New Orleans um, with their quarterback situation right now. I just don't like it. Uh, Michael Thomas, also, by the Kamara, way, I saw has a knee injury in my net play. So oh, that's just another leg to that. Remember at the beginning of the at the season where I said I'm going to make one bold prediction is that I think that Michael Thomas is never going to play for the Saints again. Feeling pretty confident in that yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Tennessee for both of us. Next one here is AFC South Jacksonville coming off of the biggest win of the Urban Meyer era, a 96 victory over Buffalo. They will head to. Indianapolis, and they've been playing pretty damn well themselves. Uh, Carson Wentz, with the exception of a couple of erratic throws about two weeks ago, has been pretty consistent this year and looks pretty healthy. Yeah, I'm going the Colts. They do look really good. Um, Slow start, but they've played really good football the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor, where is he top five, top three? Top two looks really good. Uh, It's it's tough. I I hate doing this because it's the same thing with Zeke a couple years ago where Yep. You know, that offensive line is just pounding through people. So John Taylor, he has a relatively easy time of it compared to others, but he's still, I mean, he's one of the most, yep. he's one of the best peer runners of the football league. I think he's definitely in the conversation. He's worked himself in there with what, five straight games with a hundred yards. He also has not had 20 or more carries in the game this year. Crazy. They've got a good backfield mm-hmm. too. Hines has been good. They got some other yeah. interesting guys. All right. Yeah. I'm rolling with Indianapolis. I don't think that was really a discussion, but um, all right. Next one here. Cleveland and New England. I think this one is probably one of the top build games this week and could be potentially very fun. Um, you know, I think the, are the Patriots back is my question. I hate it. I hate I it. I think they're back. I'm, I think I'm, they're I'm, back. I'm picking the Browns because I'm rooting for the Browns, but Patriots fans are, are the most entitled group in the world. And they're lucky as hell because they get to get rid of time Brady. They basically have one year of mediocrity. They didn't even go to the, the seller. They come back and now they're competent again. They're, they're, I mean, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve, they deserve 10 years of bottom feeding before they're back in, in, in contention again. Uh, I'm picking the Browns only because of that. I'm picking the Browns too. Cause I think they're the better team right now, but I I'm now getting the lift that I think, I really think the Patriots are back. I think they're a playoff team right now. And I, I don't know where the ceiling is for Mac Jones. I'm curious because I've watched him play quite a bit this year. I feel also, like I really, you know, be sick is if the Patriots signed OBJ. I think that's, did you see the report? And then, uh, he's, he's like, it sounds like re- they're the Belichick really wants him. Yes. Um, I think it's a perfect match. Would be, it'd be Randy hilarious. Ross has been saying it all week long that if that OBJ should go to. It'd New be England. hilarious if they signed him and then you know, first play of the game, throws a touchdown to OBJ from Matt Jones on the Browns. find a way to get him in this week too, for sure. That'd be a very Bill Belichick thing to do. But all right, we talked a lot about the Patriots for that one, but we're both rolling with Cleveland. uh, So we'll see how that one works out. All right, next one here is Buffalo and the New York Jets. Buffalo coming off of a horrific loss, but still it's the Jets. Do we need to talk about this one? No, I'm, I'm red flag is up on the bills though. I'm, 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 I got my eye on them. They're, there's something up there. I don't know what it is, but I'm picking the bills, but I'm a little bit, I, I'm skeptical of what they're, they're, you know, how they do moving forward here. 
I I will say I'm a little bit concerned um, that we're going to get like a Stefan Diggs like blow up of some kind. Not necessarily a blow up, but like he's his targets are way down this year. Team's mm-hmm. not playing super well. I can see him. I, and I think he's a lot more mature now than when he was in Minnesota. And I also really like Stefan Diggs, but I can totally see him giving kind of like a, a highlight reel press conference pretty soon. I would keep an eye out for that. Uh, but I will roll with Buffalo as well. I think they got a cakewalk this week, but it is a division matchup. So we'll see. All right. Next one here is Detroit and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, man, I thought they were dead like literally a month ago. And now they've rattled off, I think, was it three or four in a row? And Detroit yeah. rattling off losses still. Still. My entire existence, they've been doing that. Give me the, uh, give me the Steelers. There's yep. no conversation here. I don't think. Yep. Yeah, there really isn't. Pittsburgh for both of us. All right, next one here is Tampa Bay and Washington. Uh, I thought Washington was better than they than they are. I, I really don't think there's a conversation here either. No, um, this one seems like a mismatch too. I think I think Washington is actually in line for the number three overall pick right now, which would honestly would kind of work out pretty well for them to like go through the new the name change and then brand themselves under a rookie quarterback. Maybe maybe that's what they need, but I, I'm definitely going Tampa Bay. We can talk yes, about that. This might Probably be a, if you haven't, you, I mean, if you're, well, first of all, if you're still alive in your survivor pool after what happened last week, then good I, for you. But I lost uh, last week. Yeah. Because yeah. last week there was like four or five really big upsets Dallas. that happened. Uh, but Tampa Bay is probably a good survivor pick this week if you still ha- happen to be alive and have not used them yet. Definitely. All right. Next one here, Carolina and Arizona, uh, potentially fun one. Uh, Carolina is interesting. I think they're kind of swing and miss. We get PJ Walker's actually going to start this one off. I think he's going to be better than Sam Darnold, at least yeah. in terms of not creating turnovers for himself. Uh, Arizona might still be Colt McCoy. I think it actually is still likely to still be Colt McCoy. Uh, so he got in this one. They looked really good without Murray. I was surprised by that. Um, down but I'm going to go with the Cardinals because of that. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't figure them out. I, I really can't. I don't know, but they look okay right now. So Cliff Kingsbury is out coaching people this year. Didn't think that that was going to be a sentence I'd ever say. Um, I was not confident in him really, or Kyler Murray. I thought this whole thing was going to fail, um, but it looks like the ship is sailing. Uh, it's very I don't get I don't get it either. Eno Benjamin came out of nowhere and had a hell of a game last week. You know, like they just are finding guys off the street seemingly um, and getting straight production from everyone. Um, so I'm going Arizona too. last week. I literally switched my pick because of Colt McCoy. And now a week later, I feel more. I feel like this. He's the better quarterback somehow in this matchup. Um, and so I think Arizona is the, the clear favorite. So I'm going Arizona as well. Which leads us to Philly and Denver. I think this is a matchup of swing teams, right? Roller coaster teams for sure. Jalen Hurts uh, operating the one-man offense. Denver coming off of their biggest win of the year and really one of the best individual game performances from Teddy Bridgewater ever. I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm going Broncos here. I'm. I'm I, I. I mean, I, I still another team I can't figure out right now. Obviously, with you play la- like compare the last four weeks to what they did last week, and it's just. I mean. Who knows? Uh, but I do know Philly is very meh, so I'll go with Denver. Yeah, I'm going Denver, too. I consider that in my head to be kind of the against the popular pick here. I think Philly is more trendy right now, um, and I think they're moving in that direction. But Denver just, like, they put on a show last week. Like, they did everything right mm-hmm. uh, at every level. I think, um, is it Tim Patrick, wide receiver? Very underrated, um, with Cortland Sutton not doing a whole lot. Jerry Judy is back now. Tim, you know. I think Teddy Bridgewater is as good as anyone at spreading the ball around too. They get Noah Fant back this week. Um, 
I love I how the Denver narrative be has become with Teddy that he's a good deep ball thrower. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's funny how that's changed and how it takes a couple of them. Man. I mean, it, it, they're letting him, they're letting him unleash it in Denver and it's, he's been a pretty accurate passer, which you is just completely opposite of what the narrative was in Minnesota. I, I love seeing Teddy Bridgewater truly get an opportunity. Like last year in Carolina, we kind of thought that that was going to be what it was, but you could tell that Matt rule was looking for his next guy. Mm-hmm. I think that Denver's kind of in a similar situation, but I mean, like if he keeps winning these games, I don't know, man, I, I love to see him truly get his shot. Like this is, this is Teddy Bridgewater at his max. And I hope he gets a W here for against Philly this weekend. All right. Uh, now we are into kind of the sector of games where I think could be, potentially very fun and that starts with seattle and green bay russell wilson returning uh from his uh his hand injury aaron Rodgers needs to pass covid protocol on saturday in order to be available for sunday's matchup but sounds like he's going to be there i would bet a lot of money that he will be there uh who you got in this matchup of returning quarterbacks i'm gonna just i'm gonna say i mean if Rodgers plays i'm picking the packers if we find out that uh it's Jordan Love. I'm probably going to text you and say switch my pick to Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the Packers with Rodgers are, you know, a top five team. I think without him, and Jordan Love did not look that great against Kansas City. Terrible. So, love uh, that. By yeah, the way, that that's my pick. It's not really a pick, but it's a pick. I'm also um, I'm also going with Green Bay here, and I'm w- I'm with you. Literally, we'll just make a note of that. If it's Jordan Love, <laughs> neither of us are pick. Man, that guy was it was very uh, it was sweet to see that the Packers may not about his mom and family sitting up on the freaking on the freaking moon to watch that game. (laughs) I love, I love that from Kansas city. That was hilarious. I I saw today that the chiefs uh, posted, I think it's They posted a, like a picture of their stadium kind of as the sun rose in the morning Mm. and they said like views or something. And it was like a, you know, a blimp photo. And then someone's like Jordan love took or Jordan love's mom took that photo. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Green Bay for the both of us here. Um, pending Jordan Love starting again. All right. Uh, next one here is Kansas City and Las Vegas. Um, AFC West matchup here. An important one at that uh, with, you know, Kansas City sputtering a little bit. Uh, Las Vegas, of course, literally the only team in the NFL that might have worse news than the Vikings right now is yeah. is Vegas. Um, but they're finding a way. They I, seem to. I'm going Vegas. I think this might be the first time all year I've picked against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, but I, they just they look terrible. They look so bad, and I don't I don't know. I have no idea how to explain it. I mean, it's just Patrick Mahomes has looked like extremely mediocre the last two three games, and I have no idea how to explain it. But uh, give me the Raiders. I'm kind of sick of it, and hoping maybe I reverse jinx it back to normal here. I'm gonna go Kansas City here. Um, partially because I just realized that we have picked all the same teams so far. And I think ah, this is a good opportunity. I didn't even know that split. either. Yeah. This is probably a good opportunity for us to split here. I think that, you know, you can make the same argument every single time. Cause you know, Kansas city has it in them. So you just, wh- where's the get right game, right? Like when's it going to come? Is it going to come soon? Or is it going to come too late? Um, winning last like they week could put was up nice. 14 or they could put up 44 in this game. And neither one would surprise me. Yeah, it's they're a weird ass team right now, man. And really, like someone said, I, I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but someone said, like, like if it really was just as simple as playing guys in deep and zone coverage and forcing the Kansas City Chiefs to just play underneath football and run the ball and not take chances, 
how the hell did no one figure this out earlier? Like, there's got to be. How did nobody try it in the last three yeah, years how, when Mahomes really the Tampa two Leslie Frazier is the kryptonite for the Kansas City Chiefs? You got to be out your mind. Like, that's I don't get what's going on here, but I think they're going to do enough to win. Uh, barely, I'm going to take Kansas City, so we'll split on that one and bring us to the Monday night matchup, which is the Los Angeles Rams coming off of their worst loss of the year um, against the San Francisco 49ers, who I believe that was Arizona. Um, who smoked them last week? Yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan is on the hot seat in, in San Fran. He's I mean, his record, stuff. his record is not good at all. And since he's been there, which is, I mean, if you actually look at it, he's like his winning percentage is like forty percent or something like that. Somebody can throw it. You can in only blame so much on injuries, right? At some point, you just have so to I'm going Rams. I think they bounce back strong here. Um, I think that I think the Rams are still strong contenders. I don't think the 49ers are. I still believe that the Rams are the best team in the NFL. I was looking at this today and I was trying to figuring out, okay, which one team do I think is going to be, you know, who's the world beater here? And I think everyone's got their own vulnerabilities. Everyone's got, you know, that game where you're like, ah, but they did this, right? Like, you know, the Chargers against the Ravens or, you know, what Tampa Bay has done a couple Packers of Packers against the Saints. Packers against the Saints, right? Like everyone's kind of got that game. Uh, and the Rams have one now too, but they also have – Jerry Rice in 2021 in Cooper Cup, um, who's Apparently. <laughs> he's literally on Jerry Rice pace. Like that's where he's at right now. And because there's 17 games, he might get to 2,000 yards. Be the first one to actually do that. So, um, man, I, they're just a really good football team. And I think San Francisco is not a really good football team. And I'm with you, man. I think that it's funny because I think Shanahan could be on the hot seat and also be the best coaching candidate available in the same sentence. Right. Like I think he would I think that's probably true, but it's he might that, just be wrong for San Francisco, but be the perfect guy for Minnesota. Twenty other well, yeah, Minnesota for sure, but twenty <laughs> other organizations, twenty-five other organizations. All right. That rounds out our picks for this week to give you a quick score update. I had another terrible week. I went five and nine last week. Drew went seven and seven. Uh cumulatively eighty-three and fifty-three for me, seventy-eight and fifty-eight for Drew. Uh, I've got a five-game lead, but he also has that five-game buffer uh from our, our money week picks a couple weeks ago. So that we are actually knotted up by point scoring as of this recording. So go pack go, I guess. <laughs> pretty hilarious. Yeah, that literally is the difference right now. Um anything that you want to make note of before we get out of here. I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Again, that this is. I, I mean, is this a must-win game for the Vikings? We'll, we'll end with that question. Is this week a must-win game for the Vikings, or is that not even something to be thinking about right now, halfway through the year? It's. I think it's been a must-win game for the Vikings the last two weeks, and they lost both of them. So I'm kind <laughs> of like, I'm kind of like. I, I'm it doesn't matter it. because it, the, the season's over, over anyway. Yeah. I'm kind of over it, man. Like I, I, I hate to say that. We're what is it, week ten? I'm going to watch them every single week. I love Vikings football, whether they suck or not. But I'm I'm getting to the point now where I've kind of just been like, all right, this is a seven seed, maybe. So let's right. get to week 15, 16, and 17 so we can compete for that seven seed and go all in on that and be excited <laughs> about that because I'm really disappointed this is definitely not an NFC North contender. Like definitely no, not. They're that. they're not they're not a top five or six NFC team. That's that's pretty much stamped now. Uh, yeah. now it's just a matter of can they compete for that ooh, a seven seed, you know, uh, and have that and then go to Lambeau or Tampa or L.A. or wherever else they would go to and get beat by 15 in the playoffs. 
Frustrating year, man, and it seems to only be getting more and more frustrating with the COVID news, the Dalvin Cook stuff, everything else that's going on within this organization right now. But we will be there on Sunday to watch this football game. And until then, um, thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, as always, so we appreciate you for tuning in, uh, checking out Climbing the Pot the Pocket and the rest of the network here, um, Daily Norseman. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you prefer to watch this show for one reason or another, we are available on YouTube as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I got. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you next week. Oh.